0: Well, good evening and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. My name is Dennis. I am one of the elders here. I also have the privilege of working on staff. So uh, I'm delighted you're here. If you're watching from home, thank you as well. Um, If you've been journeying with us through the month of December, you've been following uh, our Christmas series. And tonight I will hopefully bring the conclusion to it, but I I shared with the elders, I'm going to deviate a little bit from the the script that we had planned, because I really want to focus on the Christmas story, but I'm hoping that this conclusion will certainly be acceptable. Uh, For those of you who know me well, you know I love Christmas. Christmas. I'm a Christmas guy. Obviously, I love the, the reason for the season. Without the birth, there's no cross. There's no resurrection. But I love all of it. I, I, I love the, the music. I've been listening to Christmas music since Halloween. I love the decorations. I love lights. Matter of fact, my wife and I spent yesterday at the Gaylord just looking at the lights. I love the eating. I love the cookies. I love the fellowship. It's the only time of the year I don't mind going to the mailbox because I get more Christmas cards than bills, right? But a couple weeks ago, uh, as I was looking at um, some of the Christmas cards, I realized that for some of us, we may get our mental images about Christmas from Christmas cards. I mean, think about it. How many Christmas cards have you received over the years showing Um, The wise men come to Jesus moments after his birth. And what about nativity scenes, right? We all have them in our homes, uh, out in the yard. Uh, Same thing. You have three wise men looking down at Jesus, uh, sharing their, their, their gifts. But if you read the biblical account carefully, it could have been up to two years after Jesus was born before the wise men came. I mean, it's why King Herod sought out the male ch- children two years and younger. So we really have no idea how many came or even when they came. The biblical count just doesn't—it just isn't clear. Now we know that there was more than one because it says "men," plural, but it could have been three, four, five, or six. You know, the story in Matthew just doesn't tell us. I think we assume sometimes it's three because of the three gifts, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And maybe maybe there, there was three. But again, we really don't know. Scripture just doesn't confirm that. So if we're a little confused about the wise men, then we may have some misunderstandings about the shepherds as well. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. When we think about the shepherds during Christmas time, we think about an image of gentle folks sitting around a campfire, you know, uh, singing songs. And again, images of the shepherds on our cards, even our nativity scenes, uh, the shepherds are clean, almost angelic like. However, shepherding was a despised occupation. In the first century, shepherds were generally scorned as dishonest, shiftless men who'd graze their flocks on other people's land. They were not the pleasant hallmark uh, faces we're used to seeing this time of the year. And I think, in some ways, we've sentimentalized them on our cards and, and the TV scenes, like, like again, they're just gentle folks waiting to go to a Christmas celebration. Nothing is farther from reality. Nothing. Now, I'll get back to the shepherds in a moment. But let me ask you this. And this is for those who have children and grandchildren. When your kids or grandkids were born, who did you tell first? Right? Who did you tell first? I am sure you told your parents, your grandparents, you told your siblings, you told the people you're closest to. Eventually, you told everyone. But there was an order Right? There's a priority of who you told first. Now, I'm gonna say this and I hate this phrase, but I'm gonna use it anyway. Back in the day. (laughs) Right? Back in the day, we did these things called birth announcements. Now with social media, I'm not really sure if we do birth announcements anymore, but we when we did, we had to prioritize the announcement list. Basically decide who's gonna make the cut. Right, I mean, naturally, we gave these announcements to the people we knew and loved the most. But I'm going to assume that the garbage collector or the mail person wasn't on that list unless you really had a relationship with those individuals. The announcements went to our closest friends and family. Now, our scripture this evening is from Luke 2. Chelsea did an amazing job reading it, but... Luke 2 is God's version of a birth announcement. Now, allow me to read several passages again, because I really want to emphasize this. And I will have this on the screen, and you can follow with me. This is Luke, uh, reading uh, 8 through 17. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Nowhere else, nowhere else in the birth narrative does God directly proclaim to anyone that Jesus has been born. This is it. This is God's one birth announcement. Now imagine for a second, if you can, that you've never heard the Christmas story. You've never heard it. And I told you that God went to someone to announce the birth of Jesus, God's only son. To whom do you think God would go to first? Think about it. Caesar? Emperor of Rome? Probably, right? King Herod, who ruled over the region? Yeah. How about the high priest, right? The... the, 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 Jewish religious elite. Sure. How about the mayor of Bethlehem? Maybe the mayor would show, uh, have organized a parade or something. But all these would be logical recipients of God's birth announcement, wouldn't they? I mean, of course they would. They all would make the cut on God's birth announcement list. But the palace doesn't hear, the temple doesn't hear. Jerusalem doesn't hear. My word, the mayor of Bethlehem doesn't even get a shout out. I mean, think about it, right? This birth announcement that God gives out goes to a group of anonymous sheep herders on the outskirts of Bethlehem. Are you kidding me? Really? Folks, there are few occupations more demanding and degrading than being a shepherd. I think, These were the last people you would expect God to take notice of. of. I mean, first of all, they were religious outcasts. I mean, according to religious law, these men were unclean. And because they worked seven days a week, it prevented them from participating in the feasts and holy days that made up the Jewish religious calendar. I mean, come on, someone had to watch over the flock, right? And when everyone else was making the trip to Jerusalem to make sacrifices at the temple, they were out in the fields watching over their animals. I mean, think about this. When Moses was born, God delivered Moses right to the top. He went to Pharaoh. But the angels, instead of telling somebody important, announced the Messiah's birth to a ragtag bunch of dirty, smelly shepherds. If you're writing this story, there's no way you would write this story this way. None of us would. No way how God wrote it, because it's what God wanted. Now, let's take a look at this now through the eyes of the shepherds. Try to imagine that you are a shepherd. I'm sure that they, they didn't frequent the local synagogue, probably never prayed, certainly didn't read uh, the Hebrew scriptures, and probably wonder if God even knew who they are. So, I mean, is it any wonder? Is it any wonder that when the angel of the Lord appears to them, they were absolutely terrified? That's why the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all. Not bad news. Not condemnation. Not even a sarcastic remark about only going to the synagogue during Hanukkah or Passover. No, the angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who was a shepherd, by the way, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a Savior born to you. And I'm sure the shepherds are thinking, Us? Shepherds? Yeah. Yes. And these shepherds, who are just normally obsessive in their protection of the flock, who lived to watch over their animals. Lead their sheep, and race off to see this baby. And after they do, they kind of became some of the first evangelists, right? Because they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. They became living birth announcements, the shepherds. And all who heard it were amazed of what the shepherds said to them. And I'm sure they were. Now, at first, you know, the shepherds may seem like a strange choice. I think God knew what he was doing. I mean, let's, let's face it. If God had gone to Caesar or Herod or anyone else in power, you know they would have used this miraculous event uh, for their own advantage. I mean, they would have said, hey, how can we increase our prestige? Or, or how can we make money off of this? Oftentimes, people in power look for ways to increase their power. But these were shepherds. They had nothing to gain or nothing to lose. They were empty vessels waiting to be filled to overflowing with God's glory. And do not miss this next point. They were proof that God's message of redemption is for everyone. That God's message of redemption is for everyone from the highest to the lowest to the churchgoer, to the seeker, to the skeptic. God's word is for everyone. You see, God wanted the shepherds to see this incredible, personal nature of this Christmas gift. And he wants us to see it as well. Folks, these shepherds weren't people out of the ordinary. Their holiness hadn't earned them the special privilege of being the first to hear the news. No, there are people like you and me. People like you and me. And God wants people to know how personal this gift of his son really is. And I cannot stress that enough. For most of us, tonight, tomorrow, we're going to be exchanging gifts. And that's a great practice. And on our gifts, we put these little tags, don't we? From Johnny to Sally from John and Sally to mom and dad. So when we pass the presents around, we know who they're from and who they're going to. If Jesus had worn a tag, do you know what it would say? To Johnny from God. To Sally from God. To Ben from God. To Jason from God. You know, there is a gift with a tag that has your name on it. Because you know what? Jesus is the gift. And this gift is for everyone. This gift is for everyone. The Bible says that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God's very special and personal gift of grace, forgiveness, healing, peace, hope, direction, promise, and eternity Is for you. It's for all. My friends, this gift of eternal life has been purchased and paid for by Jesus Christ. And he paid it all. And it's for you. But listen, if you don't open the door and receive that gift, unwrap the gift, well, the gift has no value for you. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. If any gift isn't received or open, that gift has no value. The gift has no value. So here's the question. Not just for tonight, for tonight. This is the question of life. How does one receive this gift of eternal life? For me, nobody says it better than the Apostle Paul. He says in the book of Romans, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Amen, Amen is right. In other words, you must admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is sin? Sin is anything that displeases God. Secondly, you must be willing to turn from sin. You need to recognize that you are a sinner and you turn from sin. You ask for forgiveness and you turn. It's called repentance. You must repent of your sin. Number three, believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died for you, paid the penalty for your sin, was buried and rose from the dead. And finally, invite Jesus into your life to become your personal Lord and Savior. How do we do this? It's called prayer. It's called talking to God. But you know what? I believe you have to put a stake in the ground and say, hey, today's the day. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. But it's a prayer. You don't need a religious ceremony to do this. It's just a prayer. Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. Lord, I know you paid the the price for me. You paid my debt. I'm a sinner. I repent. I'm just going to trust you as my Lord and Savior. If you haven't opened that gift of eternal life. I pray that you would open it this Christmas season. Because the Bible says that today is a day of salvation. It is the custom of, of this church that at the end of every Sunday service, we have a prayer team. We'll have a prayer team tonight. If you would like to pray that prayer, or maybe you just prayed it, or you just want to know more information, We'd be honored to talk to you. We'll be up here, just come discreetly. We'd love to pray with you. But for those of you who received that gift and opened it many, many years ago, praise God. Remember, this gift is eternal. Let's rejoice in it. Let's celebrate in it. Let's be thankful for it. And here's my challenge to all of you. Let's be like the shepherds and tell the good news to others. Let's be a living birth announcement. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, tonight we think about that special night long ago when a big, bright star shone in the sky, along with an angel that frightened the shepherds. But the good news given to the shepherds was for us too. It says, don't be afraid. Tonight in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. This is the Messiah, the Son of God. So Father, we thank you so much for sending us Jesus. He is the very best gift that you could ever, ever give us. Tonight, we just want to thank you again for how much you love us, how much you care for us. Even you love us just the way we are. So thank you for the way you care for us. And thank you that you'll never leave us. Nor forsake us. Oh, we just praise you, we just love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name.